Hey everyone, Zach here. The Once and Future Nerd has some very exciting news to share. As you may have seen, we are extremely honored and humbled to have been nominated for three Audioverse Awards for 2017. For those of you who don't know, the Audioverse Awards are an annual award for the best audio dramas on the internet. And this year, there is a whole bunch of amazing shows that have been nominated, including some of our favorites like The Bright Sessions, Lesser Gods, Wolf 359, Ars Paradoxica, and luckily enough, us. We have been nominated in three separate categories. First, the entire production was nominated under the category of Best Ongoing Long-Form Large Cast Dramatic Production. You can tell they've started to divide these out into many specific subgenres. Our writing team has also been nominated for Best Writing. That's our writer's room, including Rhiannon Angel, Ian Harkins, Gregory M. Schultz, and Christian and I. Finally, our superstar but often underappreciated audio engineering team was nominated for Best Engineering. That's Miguel Patriota, Jared Paul, Garrett Schultz, and Pedro Tarago. It really is such an honor to have been nominated for these three awards. The awards this year had to be nominated by fans, so we didn't do this, you did this. So whoever nominated us, thank you so much. It really is humbling and it means a lot to us. And now, voting is open. If you're interested in voting, and you don't have to vote for us, although we'd appreciate it, you can head to audioverseawards.net to cast your vote. As I mentioned, there's a ton of really, really deserving shows out there, so feel free to go over to audioverseawards.net, check them out, maybe listen to some of the other shows, and vote for whoever you think is your favorite. And if that happens to be us, we would really appreciate it. If you're interested in checking out some of the other shows all at a glance, the Audioverse Award team has made a new podcast feed called the Audioverse Awards Nominee Showcase, which is a podcast feed where they play sample episodes of all the different nominees. So that's also something you may be interested in. So once again, if you would like to vote, go to audioverseawards.net between now and October 30th. So go right now, vote for the Audioverse Awards. Thanks again. The Once and Future Nerd depends on listeners like you for funding and for spreading the word. If you enjoy the show, please tell a friend, leave us a rating or review on iTunes, and if you are able, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash onceandfuturenerd. You shall be rewarded. The Once and Future Nerd Book 2 Myth Made Flesh Chapter 3 Bridges Part 2 by Rhiannon Angel, Ian Harkins and Christian T. Kelly Madeira The night was dark and gloomy near Castle Granatal, the eastern storehouse, once a vibrant hub of servants coming and going at all times, had been all but abandoned of late. At the stroke of midnight, two lonely guards kept their watch. These were the only two men in Redmore's infantry without the clout or cleverness to barter their way out of that charge. Just two more hours, just... Two more hours? I've heard he doesn't come out when there's a full moon, so maybe. Okay, else what was that? Just my stomach. I ain't eating today. What should you do that for? Mess all closed early. One of the cooks said they saw him. Oh, right. 
Carl, do you ever think... Bernard? I, Carl. Did you hear that? Yes, I did, Carl. Reckon we ought to go fetch the sergeant at arms. Reckon it's a bit too late for that, Carl. What? Why? Why don't you look to your right, Carl? Inches away from poor Carl stood a hooded figure in black, blending almost perfectly into the night. Its face was masked too, but that was not what caught the guard's attention. Rather, it was the knife the figure held, pointed forwards. Is that a dagger I can see in front of me? Spread the words I tell you now. These halls will know no peace until our dough, the usurper's black stain, is removed from this land. Avenge the king's foul and unnatural murder. As you know by now, dear listener, this was not nearly the first of such occurrences around Castle Gwernathal. I swear, Siggy, if I don't mend my lady's cloak for next it rains. Siggy? And as the spectre's message spread, <gasps> these halls will not know peace. Thomas, be a deer and fetch me that black dye. So too did the sense of trepidation. <laughs> Until order the usurper's black stain. Lucius, there you are. You've got to cut around the bones you had done. My knives are always going dull. Amongst each and every person who heard tell. What are you standing there slack-jawed for? <gasps> is removed from this land. Avenge the king's foul and unnatural murder. So when the two guards in the storehouse saw the spectre they had already heard so much about... I, in the spirit of justice, by guards, remember me. They turned and fled. Now leave. (laughs) And once they were gone, the spectre lowered its hood. And as you, dear listener, are perceptive, clever, and no doubt exceptionally good-looking, I doubt you'll be surprised to learn this was in truth no apparition from beyond the grave. No, of course, this haunting figure was what had become of our Lord Antonin Mooncrest. His grimy face fell into an almost religious reverie as he looked at the wheels of cheese and barrels of apples and salt meat he had just won for himself. Bless Gallatin. And damn Ardor Redmore. The sun had just begun to inch over the horizon near Freehold, but Billy and Jen had already broken their fasts. Yo. Couldn't sleep? (laughs) Not really. Good morning, Nelson. Hey. Billy, Jen. You've managed to eat, I see. That is well. Nelson, you should try and break your fast while you can. We know not what the day might hold. Anyone seen our guy? Not yet, though I am confident Sir Brennan will keep his word. The sky in the west is pink and cloudy. It snowed in the mountains last night. Perhaps the storm is headed our way. All right, Nia, I'll thank you to leave the metaphors to me. Everything's gotten a bit too literal, what with the burning bridges and storms on the horizon, don't you think? She wasn't wrong about last night's snow, though. Allow me, listeners, a brief interlude. Our thoughts as we consider orcs and elves and men, and what each is and seems to be and isn't at all, must drift to the west, 
west of Blackhold, to the Black Mountains themselves, foreboding land to be certain, sparsely populated by men who choose to live in solitude, tucked away in caves and cabins precariously perched on precipices. Oh yes, definitely still got it. Where the winter, when it starts, falls thickly, suddenly and as surely as night itself. No, not a very good place for wood sprites, and not for you either, I should think. Not even to... vacation. But even if one should take it upon themselves to cross from one side of the mountains to the other, one would do well to travel before the height of the winter storms. For once they start, the mountains are nigh impassable. And even now, this early in the season, the snow blew down in a horizontal blur. Jethro the Woodsman had lived a long time in this desolate landscape. And while, as I said, it was a life most harsh, Jethro found that the calm press of the drifting snows helped him to focus on only the things that mattered to him. To each his own, I suppose. We join him, and you'll see why soon enough, I promise you, as he trudges steadily through the valley, his pack overladen with supplies to last the winter, and a mangy old dog at his heels. Start the fire up now, warm the hearth, merrily gather round. Though we won't see the sun or the green of the leaves, till the snow doth melt from the ground. Whoa, now kill him. Stay on the path, you yelp. You fall into a snow pit. I ain't going after your raggedy old hide. You smell anything, boy? What you got there? The old man lowered his pack to the ground, his back quite grateful for even a brief reprieve. Cautiously, he walked toward the mound of snow his hound was inspecting. He saw then that the ground around it was stained the color of rust, or perhaps blood. Caleb, don't touch that, I said. Brushing aside the drifting snow, he discovered a hand, and then an arm. And then, yes, you see where this is going. Tucked into a small depression in the side of the craggy pass, he found a body. Yeah, skin's all blue and gray already. Still bleeding though, ain't it? And then the body twitched. Wait, wait, wait. Help, help. Help me. Now you'll recall that when we last saw General Traft, he was fleeing the Battle of Freehold with his tail between his legs. Not literally, orcs don't have tails, as you should have figured out by now. And anyway, the General of the Orcish Forces had only one orc parent, neither here nor there at the moment. Just reminding you. His armies routed, and his Templar allies as feckless as the Chaos God they served, Traft had sought to make his way back across the Black Mountains to regroup with the Orcish nations and nurse his severely wounded pride. However, the winter having fallen early, and without gear to protect himself from the storm, Traft found himself trapped between a rock and a, well, a lot of snow, which was where this Jethro fellow had found him and brought him into his humble home and hearth. Hush now, Kidip. I guess don't even know which way is up without you trying to yammer at him. I said hush. Hush. Now let's see here. There you go. That's it. Nice and easy. Where? What? Where? Oh, hush now. And rest. You've a mighty thirst. Nearly killed you. You're sick if you drink too fast. It was not until morning that Traft's faculties began to return to him. 
Where? Where am I? What is this place? He looked around the small cottage where he found himself. It was not the Spartan place one might have expected to find at the borders of a civilization. It was, however, in a shambles. Gutted candles languished in the corners. Stacks of books littered floor and table alike. A map of constellations was pinned to one wall, and beneath it a compass, papers, quills, and scribblings lay scattered haphazardly. Notably, the ceilings of the dwelling had been studded with tiny pieces of glass. Sunlight slanted through the single window, bouncing erratically about the shards. But even more notably, the fire was warm, and the food cooking over it set Traft's stomach to rumbles. His hand went to his side, tenderly touching his bandaged wound. Morning to you! You slip a mighty long. Happen when you're weary of the road. Oh, when you cut a pickaxe in the flank there. <laughs> Nasty, nasty wound, that. Reckon you be wantin' some of the eat? Have that porridge and get your strength back. Drink that tea, too, before a cool. No cream, sorry to say, but eat and drink and do so with the blessing of the gods. Hush yourself now, Caleb. Into the cellar with you. Don't look at me like that. Get! With a final glance over its shoulder at Traft, the despondent-looking mutt sulked off. You don't take kindly to strangers. Nah, don't take it personal. I'm sure he thinks he's a helping. Ain't you gonna eat? I know you must be hungry. Traft, for his part, had been trying to size up his host and his food as quickly as he could. This was not lost on Jethro. Nah, if I'd have had any ill will towards you, why'd I not have acted on it before? When you was all but dead to the world. Traft very nearly smiled in spite of himself before partaking greedily of the food in front of him. <sighs> Forgive me, I, I've known some downright untrustworthy folks in my day. Oh, now that I understand, boy. No apology needed. You put salt pork in this? It's damn good. Didn't know you could raise up pigs past the tree line. You can't. But you sure can't freeze anything you venture out to hunt. Well, I'll thank you for your kindness. I'll not overstay my welcome. I aim to be on my ways quickly as I can. Oh, doubtful. The nine winds have started their gusting. Barely got back with my supplies for the season. You'll not be going over the mountains this year, that's for damn sure. Of course, there's other ways of getting where you want to go, but... If you know another way to get through that pass, I'd pay handsomely and know it too. But I don't recommend venturing out tonight. Troft gave no answer in either direction, but helped himself to another heaping spoonful. I'm sorry, Aaron. Even ask your name. Called Jethro. A good workaday name, picked it myself. Wasn't always such. Then Traft happened to notice an oil painting, framed with precious but tarnished metal, propped up in a corner opposite an old looking glass. Two things struck him about this painting. The first was the expressiveness of the eyes, remarkable even to such an unsophisticated critic as Traft. The second was the resemblance of the young, well-dressed subject of the painting to the ragged old man who sat before him. Traft gestured towards the painting. Kinsman of yours, Jethro? Oh. Yeah, of a sort. Would you ever believe the man in that painting was a sitting right before you even now? Suppose I could. Man wears different faces throughout his life. Feels like a lifetime ago. I always figured it were worth keeping. When a man's all by himself, it never hurts to remember what he once looked like. Powerful thing, a portrait. Lots of folks might take it for granted, but getting to choose how you want to appear to the world? That's no small thing. Well, I'd ask your name, boy, but I think I already know it. Traft looked up from his meal. 
I noted as soon as I saw that tattoo on your chest. Troft couldn't stop the brief look of panic from crossing his face. Don't worry. I ain't a-fixin' to turn you over to the elves. I ain't got much use for them, truth be told. Is that so? Greedy for power. Something fierce, says me. Rule all they touch with an iron fist. However much gold they like to plate it with. Well, if you heard of me, you probably know I'm inclined to agree with that. There's why I come all the way out here. Get away from all that, thought I. There's a wandering, pioneer spirit in my blood, my pa always said. Going back generation. Go west, thought I. Go west, where the land's still untamed and a man can build somewhere for himself. You know, you might be surprised just how tame things are west of the mountains, where my people have built. Aye, but that's a just the rub, ain't it? The elves got their greasy fingers in that too. No, says I. No man will ever be a truly free in this world so long as the elves are ruling. Not often one meets a man who thinks like you do, Jethro. Well, not many's been around so long as I have. Seen what I've seen. Then you know it doesn't have to be like it is. Oh, nay, nay, it don't. The elves are on top now, but they are not invincible. Oh, not invincible, no. And for what it's worth, I ought to say I've a no ill will towards your kind. Never believe what the elves said about you anyhow. Seemed to me it'd take a certain kind of virtue to build something in so hard a land. You continue to strike me as a very wise man, Jethro. I dare say, though, you may be thinking about freeing yourselves all wrong. Burning the world down around you and all. Now, you think I'm too violent? Nay, nay, not exactly. If a dog has a bone that he doesn't want to share, that's understandable. If he keeps that bone and then takes mine, and then takes yours? Aye. Put him down and get another dog. Or find something you value that cannot be taken from you. For no matter where you go or how many mountains you climb, you'll still be you when you get to the top. If you want for someone, sometimes it's best to look within. Me? I cannot for the world. Burn it or don't. Run from it or don't. But what if instead you try to turn the world inside out? Uh, afraid I don't follow. Tell me, young man. Do you believe in an uncorruptible soul? Ah, I see. Tell you the truth, Jethro, I never much cared for priests or chapels, if that's what you're asking. And I don't think there's anything in this world that's uncorruptible. Ah, well, that's just it, my boy. Uncorruptible don't mean a man can't be a lead to do a wrong. It just mean that a man's will is what it is, and it ain't what it ain't. It can't age or decay or break like a body can. In that way, it's the purest, most perfect version of a man. No matter what ends, it's applied to One way to put it, I guess. Well, take my little old hand, for instance. Your hand? Jethro held out his hand so that the fire in his hearth cast a dancing shadow behind it. No matter what I do, my hand cannot pass through this table. I could try and break the table, but I'd have break my hand first more like, but the shadow. He waved his arm next to the table to demonstrate. It passes over. Through? Around the table ever which way? I suppose that's true. You say you want to get over the mountain and see Okean. And I say there's another way. I've heard of passages from underneath the mountains from the old times. If you got any maps or- No, 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 no. You're thinking about it all wrong. What if the mountains weren't even there? Jethro, I thank you for your aid, but as you know, I have people who depend on me, and interesting as your thoughts are, uh, 
I'm afraid I have no time for philosophy. I, I think it would be best if I returned to my people with haste. Nay, nay. I told you, you're not to leave here tonight. I appreciate your concern, but I'm a man who values his freedom, like you. So I trust you'll not think me too rude. Traft rose from the table to gather his things and collapsed to a heap on the floor, his legs suddenly jelly. What the... There's black nightshade in your tea. Oh, you lying bastard. Like I said, you might travel tonight, but not on your own two legs. We'll return to the mountains and Traft's predicament in due time, I assure you. But for now, I must take you back to Regan's tent near Freehold. Your Grace, Sir Brennan has returned. He's late. The Kaltir is with him. You're shitting me. That's not all. There's also... Well, you'd better see for yourself. Time seems to be of the essence. You don't fucking say. Send them in. Near ushered in Brennan, Yillowin, Arlene, and Gwen. The former two knelt immediately, and the latter two quickly followed suit. Your, Your grace. grace. You put that arrow in him, Brennan? No, Your Grace, but I think you had better hear the account from him. Who's this with you? Allow me to present the Lady Arlene Mooncrest, born to House Redmore. Your Grace, Brennan tried to tell me something of your claim on the ride here. I must admit it's all a bit of a blur, but I know for a fact my brother's claim is false, and if Brennan and Yellowine recognize you as queen, then that is enough for me. See? Who says I can't build a court, Nia? All right, everyone get up except the elf. The queen's subjects complied, which was when Regan's gaze fell upon Gwen. Wait, don't I know you from somewhere? Ah, your grace. We met beneath Castle Guarnatal. Right, that was you. Sorry if I scared you. Brennan, you know you owe this woman your life? Beg pardon, your grace? I was fucking gone from that castle till this one appealed to my better spirits. She... how did... Eh, story for another day. Right now, the splint needs to start talking. I cannot stress enough the novelty of the elf's demeanor in this moment. Far from the youthful bravado to which you are surely accustomed, he instead remained kneeling, kept his eyes on the ground, and spoke in muted tones. Your Grace, I have made many and terrible mistakes, and I own accounting for each and every one. But I swear on my life and honor that willfully deceiving Your Grace was never among them. What I now know, I could have never believed had I not seen it for myself. Yeah? What's that? Relotit is... She was prepared to murder the Lady Arlene in cold blood and without a trial, and to falsely blame the murder on orcs, all to conceal what the Lady had found. Which is? This, Your Grace. Arlene approached Regan, carrying her swaddled bundle. We found him next to a dying orc, Your Grace. We think it was hers on account of she spent her last breath begging me to save it. Only, it looks like every other babe I've ever seen. It is just as you said, Your Grace. My shame for having doubted you knows no bounds. I gather things didn't go to plan for Relotit. The Kaltir risked his life to save mine. He took that arrow as he rode the Lord Commander down. You did what? She's hurt, but still lives. She'll be upon us as soon as she's able. A few hours at the most. So, hurt or not, you both walked away. I know that grift. What's to say this isn't to throw me off your scent so you can spy for your elf friends? Only my word, which I know is debased by my own deeds. I am at your mercy. 
Yiluin unsheathed the gilded hunting knife gifted to him by his parents years ago and held it to his throat with the hilt facing Regan. If your grace wills that I answer for my errors with my life, then I've no standing to protest. But if you'll have me, I would do my penance by fighting beside you. A skilled tracker born and raised of the woodfolk will be no small advantage in the fight to come. Only you had better decide quickly, your grace. Relotid is furious, and she is desperate, and she is on her way. Look at me, Yellowin. Regan held the young elf's gaze, unblinking, for quite some time. You believe him, Brennan? I do, your grace. Stand up. <sighs> you fight for me now. And I'll bring you in on my plans if and when I decide it's wise. That clear? Admirably so, your grace. Nia, take him out of earshot. Dig that dot out of him. Nia and Yellowin both bowed low and then exited the tent. I take it you've had a change of heart, Sir Brennan? Your grace, I still struggle to imagine any way we survive a war against the Tarla here. But there's not to do now but try. I am at your service. Without reservations. Good. Let's go to work. The Once and Future Nerd is directed by Christian T. Kelly Madeira. It is created and executive produced by Zach Class and Christian T. Kelly Madeira and co-executive produced by Jess Kelly Madeira. Alex Story and Ryan Cushman are associate producers. It is performed by... Rhiannon Angel. Garrett Arman. Dan Dobransky. Anya Gibeon. Ian Harkins. Paul Notice. Juliet Prather. Frank Quares. Julie Reed. Gregory M. Schultz. Production audio recording by Jared Paul. Editing by Josh Perot. Post-production mixing and sound design by Garrett Schultz. Tom Lee is our musical director and lead composer, with additional scoring by Chris Montalbo. For more, visit onceandfuturenerd.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, or Reddit. 